Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Net Positive Podcast. A podcast which educates and inspires marketers, product managers, and companies in the best way to generate and optimize your flows. We're your hosts, Matt Brown and Jess Walker, and we will bring you the latest on how to improve your signup flow, increase your leads, and grow your business. Let's Let's jump jump in. in. Today, we are speaking with Andrea Ho, the Senior Growth Product Manager at Atlassian, with a wealth of knowledge and experience up her sleeve. We'll hear how Andrea started as a fashion designer through to the early days of customer service at Atlassian to ending up managing an entire engineering team, helping them build growth strategies and drive revenue. We discuss the role of data and machine learning and what they do in product management and ideas on how to nudge people into a new product. Let's dive in. Welcome, Andrea, to the podcast, Senior Growth Product Manager at Atlassian. Fantastic to have you here today. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for inviting me onto the show. Super excited to be talking to you. Um, well, Andrea, look, I'd love to learn a little bit about your history. You've you've gone from some incredible companies in your career, you know, MYOB and Practice Ignition and most recently Atlassian. Would love to hear just a little bit on your journey to date. I come from a very non-traditional background, I guess, into product. Um, so my, my background's in design and, and teaching and education. And yeah, I actually have a, a degree in fashion design, which oh, I wow. think is most surprising to people when they ask, how did you become a product manager? Is that a side hobby for you on top now? Do you, do you still use that at all? No, no. (laughs) I think I I appreciate fashion from a distance, um, but I'm very much, my heart is very much in the tech world now. Awesome. I started in uh, a tech startup. So that was practice ignition. Um, Many years ago now I was the the fourth employee. Oh, wow. And when they, they brought me on board, they said, we've got two devs, and the founder. So we'd like you to do anything that's not development. <laughs> was, was Matt Allen there at that time? No, it was just after Matt Allen's time. Uh, okay. I think, uh, yeah. Fantastic. Rewriting all his code at that point. <laughs> and then where, where did you go after that? Uh, that was when I, I made the jump from customer success into product. Uh, so I was kind of tired of just fighting the same fires every day in customer support and helping customers find workarounds to problems. Mm. And I really wanted to just get ahead of the problems and actually build better products. So I, yeah, I started at uh, MYOB as a product manager there in the, in the tax team. And, you know, I think my first reaction, a lot of people are like, oh, tax. Is that-, <laughs> that, that did go through my head, but I wasn't going to say it out loud. <laughs> Fashion design to tax. Now that is like, you know, anyway. <laughs> I know, right? I've been everywhere. I've done it all. Um, when, it, when you think about like the, the PM Venn diagram, because, you know, all PMs, we love a good Venn diagram um, of just the skill set of like design, like user experience, tech and business, I think... Um, what I, one of the things I really wanted to improve on was just that commercial mindset. And so I think working for a larger listed company that had a lot, well, listed at the time anyway, but it, it had, you know, a lot of strong processes around product, product management, been around for a long time. So I, I definitely learned a lot there around just how to be a product manager. Um, you know, what, what, is it, what does it mean to own a product that hundreds of thousands of people use? Moving back to that Venn diagram, I felt I was strong in the user experience because I came from design. Right. I was building on that commercial mindset. Um, and I was thinking about that tech side. And for a long time, I actually thought, oh, do I need to learn how to code? Like sure. I hear, you hear a lot of like product managers come from engineering backgrounds or companies like Atlassian would only hire PMs that had a computing science degree. And I was like, gotcha. oh gosh, if I 
yeah, like if I want to get ahead, will will I will I need to do that? What was more relevant than learning how to code was actually learning how to be data literate. Um, gotcha. Working with data, being able to visualize data and get insights from it. And yeah, that was, I guess, what led to my next career jump, which was a company called Ansarata, where, yeah, I I managed data and machine learning products. Ansarata, obviously another, you know, super well-known, fast-growing Australian tech company. And so moving into data, um, you know, obviously we'd love to hear how that sort of initial journey was. Yeah, it was, it was very challenging, I would say. I, one of the things about how I make career decisions is that they're, they're very deliberate in the sense that I go after skill sets that I'm particularly interested in, but maybe don't have all the skills I need. So I do it with the intention of wanting to grow that skill more. Mm -hmm. So, you know, getting into like managing the data side of things, it was, it was mostly learning by doing, I would say. Yeah. Great. Um, so just figuring out what data is available, how can we use it, what you know, what can we learn from it. Um, yeah, it was a roller coaster. Nothing like jumping in the deep end. Yeah, definitely. And so I just want to dive into your role at Atlassian, you know, senior growth product manager. First of all, could you explain what that is and how that intersects with product-led growth, for example? The growth, like the PM growth team, we are a team of product managers, um, just like any other product management team, you know, we've got mm-hmm. engineers that we work with and we build experiences in product. Um, so I guess you could say from that sense, we are product-led growth um, PMs. Um, but we do sit outside the product management organization. So we're, we're a separate kind of growth team. And mm-hmm. the way we're different, I guess, is we're across the whole business. So we don't okay. just focus on one particular product and own growth for that product. We move around depending on where we think we can make the most impact to the business or whatever the growth priority is for the business at that point in time. What's an example of that? For the past couple of years, I've been focused on um, the the DevOps side of things. Mm -hmm. We've released a lot of new features in that area, integrations and things like that. So it's been coming for a while now, but, you know, the next wave after Agile and so, you know, we're trying to jump on, on that wave and, you know, really help businesses transition, not just from waterfall to agile, but agile to DevOps. Yeah. Fantastic. And in that journey from sort of uh, agile to sort of DevOps uh, sort of mindset, what's some of the education that you're needing to build into processes to bring the team along and to bring customers along on that journey? I guess with the team, we're always trying to improve how we work and so I guess it's it's always about like finding the most efficient ways to do things that have the most transparency across our team and across multiple teams. And, you know, sometimes we get inspiration from how we work in terms of things that have worked for us. And then we think, hey, how could we share this with our customers? How could we get them to get the same benefits that we've just discovered? And, you know, we... When, when me as a, a product manager working with my designer do these envisioning exercises to figure out, you know, what what's the next amazing user experience we want to bring to our products, we often involve the engineers so that they get a chance to 
share some of that insight, particularly because DevOps is something that they are far more closer to than us. Sure, absolutely. Do you find that there's sometimes an issue between, you know, the product and marketing team might have one goal in mind and then the dev and engineering team also have a, a different goal, but like bringing them together to actually have the same vision. Do you find that there's an issue there? Not so much an issue. I guess we definitely mm. try and get alignment mm. when, like from the very beginning. And, and what I mean is like when we're actually setting our goals, we figure out what the different goal, teams' goals are and we get we have shared goals and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that usually, I guess, minimizes the, the chances of that happening. We'd love to learn a little bit about your transition from customer success into senior growth product management. Um, you know, being in customer success uh, and, and look, product-led growth companies, of course, it's all about uh, building a product that customers want and, and ensuring that customers are brought along in the journey. But what special powers or superpowers do you have because you've spent time uh, so customer-facing and customer success when moving into growth product management? I, I love getting on the phone with customers. Um, you know, that's one of the things that I really enjoyed about my job in customer success. And mm. I'm really glad that I still get to do it as a product manager. Awesome. I think spending all that time trying to understand users' problems as a customer success manager is, has been a core strength of mine as a product manager and bringing the types like the know-how on how to solicit the right answers to those questions during mm. customer research interviews has definitely helped me a lot. And how do you solicit the right answers? Because, you know, you don't, you, you've got your basic don't ask yes or no, but like what other tips are there to get the right answers from your customers? I guess to your point of like don't ask yes or no, on the, on the open-ended questions, it's usually about trying to get them to tell us a story. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about a time, tell us about the last time that you had to do X, um, yep. you know, and... And then it's a lot of the five whys after that. Why did, why did that happen? Why did you feel mm. that way? Mm. Why do you think that was, um, you know, that, that sort of stuff is, is really the, the basics of, of user researching. Like building rapport with customers mm. is super important as well, like showing them that you're not just there to get them to approve your designs mm. and like really making them feel comfortable to be honest with you as well. Is, is super important. Are you actually talking to them face to face or over the phone? Because with a big, such a big company like Atlassian, where it's so uh, web based and app based and stuff, do, do you actually reach out to them in person? These days, in the days of COVID, I guess we everything is remote still. So unfortunately, I haven't got to see any customers face to face. The pace at which we do things is so fast that it is often just easier to do things remote. So the big debate, you're a product manager and you're thinking about various types of data to make great product decisions. You know, How do you look at the difference between qual and quant data uh, when you're making decisions on, on which features or which parts of the product to work on? We always try to use them together. Like qual or quant independently only really tell half the story. Mm. And it's when you put them together that you get the true insights. Uh, quite often when we're having discussions with, or, you know, we're, we're trying to reach a compromise with another product team. I think that that does tend to be one of the superpowers of the growth team is that we have both. Uh, awesome. Whilst the, you know, the non-growth teams tend to struggle a little bit more to get access to the data. Um, and it's, it's, it's not, no fault of their own, I think, one of the luxuries of being on the growth team is I actually have a dedicated analyst on my team to help me with that as well. But 
yeah, I think, you know, the typical scenario is, you know, you want to user test your prototypes um, and get some feedback and, and insights, pick up any little bugs or, you know, assumptions that you've made wrong before you actually build it. And then you run an experiment and you get the data. But I actually found the most insightful um, research comes out of when an experiment fails. Mm, So you've run an experiment, you get the data and you realize that your hypothesis was wrong and, you know, all the assumptions you made were wrong or some of the assumptions you made were wrong. And then it's that challenging task of trying to understand like, why did it fail? Like which Mm. part of it was wrong? What, what did they do differently to what we expected? Have there been any of those examples that have really just struck you and you've been kind of like, I I just can't believe these results, you know, the data, (laughs) the data never lies. Yeah. Yes, definitely. I've, I've had a few failed, like, like any growth product manager, definitely some failed experiments, um, which is good. I think it shows that you're taking risks. And on the flip side to that, have you had any where you thought, oh, this won't work and it's just, you've hit the nail on the head? Yes. That, that as well. I think that is fine, I've those had ones. some like smaller examples of that. Mm. I, there's some other teams recently that have had some massive examples of that. Um, so yeah, you just, you just don't know until mm. you run the experiment, mm. really. I just want to um, touch base on incremental improvement in a company the size of Atlassian. How fast is that progress happening or how fast would you like it to happen? And that's an interesting one. Like scale definitely has an impact mm-hmm. on speed. And I think, you know, working for such a big company now, I definitely see the, the impact of dependencies across teams slowing things down. Mm. It's hard to say how big, uh, sorry, how fast it is that we're actually moving right now. I do feel like we, we do make good progress. I mean, we, are, we have still maintained high growth year on year, um, you know, over 30% growth year on year. So clearly think like things are working. They could always be better. I think every business <laughs> would feel that way. <laughs> I think having like super ambitious goals, like mm. we call them BHAG or like big, hairy, audacious goals. Love bags. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. um, I think that's the sort of the thing that keeps pushing us forward and like pushing us to do more, do better, do, do faster every year. And yeah, just like ruthlessly prioritize and say no to things that aren't going to impact our goals. I love that. And I think one of the interesting things with Atlassian is it has been, you know, obviously it's it's one of the, the most well-known Australian success stories um, and has had incredible growth and, and has often uh, rejected the notion of salespeople and needing sales teams and a, and a bunch of other things, um, has had a really strong engineering-driven culture. You know, is how, how do you encourage growth within such a strong engineering culture? And, you know, are, are the engineers kind of signed up to that vision? It's funny you say that because I, I certainly had that perception before I joined the company. It's Alassian's kind of known for being engineering driven. But what I've experienced since I've joined the company has actually been quite different. Right. Although I have to say, like, I, I can only speak for the growth team specifically. But yeah, growth, growth has its own culture, I guess, almost within Atlassian. Uh, you know, we, we actually have a lot of engineers in the growth team who I think would classify themselves as product engineers. So they have that growth mindset. They're thinking about the user experience. They're thinking about the business impact of what they do. And it's amazing. It's almost like having other little product managers 
slash engineers <laughs> on the team working with me. Um, so fantastic. yeah, I, I certainly don't, I don't feel like it's, it's been a challenge in any way. And when we spoke earlier, we were discussing kind of your role at Atlassian in detail and how one of the goals for you is to get more customers onto different products within Atlassian. How do you do that? So the already existing customers of Atlassian, how do you nudge them towards using another product? So it starts with identifying which users have a need mm-hmm. for another product. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's no point trying to just blanket push all the Jira customers to use Confluence or something yeah. like that. You know, you, it's, um, I think targeting and personalization is a growing part of, of how we do growth and connecting a user problem with a solution, mm-hmm. which I think is like the, the core crux of what growth is, right? Like people often ask me, what's the difference between a growth product manager and just a regular product manager? And I'd say quite often we're not building features to solve a problem. We're connecting users to value to solve a problem, like connecting them to existing value. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, being able, like identifying the right people that have this particular problem at this point in time and yeah, like showing them how they can get access to that feature or product. How do you show them? Is it, is it via an email or is it while they're using their current product and there's a little pop-up saying, Hey, have you tried this or thought of this? Or what's the, what kind of processes do you use? We have, I guess, what we call two, two different types of touch points. One is like the, what we call a global touch point. So a place where people expect to go and find new products uh, so, you know, things like the marketplace for apps or, you know, uh, the marketing website for new products. And, and then we also have what we call contextual touch points. So places within their workflow where it makes sense for them to discover something. So it's not distracting them from, from what they're doing. Mm. We're saying, hey, we can see you're trying to do X and here's this thing that can help make your process even more awesome. That's awesome. I've always wondered how that works. So thank you. <laughs> So thinking about uh, your experience at Ansarada and, and other organizations you've worked at, what kind of role can data and particularly ML play uh, in the future of product management? Yeah, like da- data is a no-brainer. Mm. I think machine learning is, is something that definitely fascinates me. There's just so many potential opportunities for new products that, get, that can get created from machine learning. Um, although I'd say the one most interesting t- takeaway that I learned particularly from Ansarada was to always question, do we actually need machine learning to solve this problem? I think there's a lot of temptation by people who are just interested and they just want to play with it. Which yeah. is <laughs> it's shiny. <laughs> shiny and it's exciting and it's like cutting edge and there's, and there's always developments happening in that area by big companies like Google and Microsoft. And that's great if you're just mucking around in your own time. But I think a lot of t- people don't realize how much time and resources it can actually end up costing you if you're trying to build a product out of it, when there may be a cheaper, faster way to do it more manually with data. So I just want to touch on the no-code movement within within software as well. So obviously, Matt and I come from Upflowy, which is a marketing platform which allows you to improve your onboarding flow using no-code. And we're kind of marketing team over here, engineering team over here, how do we bridge that gap and help them improve? So what are your thoughts on the no-code movement at the service of growth and product management? I I think low-code and no-code are both huge Mm. growing markets at the moment. 
there's just so much happening in that space for everyone from like young kids um, through to professionals as well. And like I mentioned earlier, like I'm a product manager that comes from a non-technical background. I don't know how to code um, except for, you know, very basic SQL for data, but a lot of, a lot of product managers, I think could benefit hugely from no code automation, Mm. especially if they're trying to do experiments and things like that. In terms of advice for product managers, what kind of advice could you give to them to up up and coming product managers or new founders or startups or whatever? What kind of advice could you give them in growth product management? I love that you don't have a coding background as well. It gives me a lot of hope. Okay. I would say have a clear picture of what your overall goal is. And I would hope that growth is one of those goals. Mm -hmm. And make sure that you've got someone dedicated to it. It might be you or it might be someone else in your company. But I think that's one of the things that I've learned recently in the growth team at Atlassian. If, you know, sometimes a pro- the growth product managers say like, hey, you know, we, we miss just building cool features. Could we, could we just focus on, you know, a, a different metric other than revenue for a quarter and, and build some cool stuff? And, you know, the leadership team was saying to us, hey, like, we're trying to maintain hyper growth here. Mm. And that's why we have a growth team. And if the growth team isn't doing growth, no one else is going to do it. So, <laughs> you know, you, we can't afford to take our foot off the pedal. Mm. And it's, yeah, it's one of those things that I think every every business should be investing in. Yeah, 100%. Without growth, there's less revenue. Without revenue, there's no jobs. <laughs> Talking about growth, where do you go for personal growth? You know, apart from throwing yourself into the deep end, into new roles that, you know, really challenge you <laughs> in an area you're excited about, where do you go for sort of your day-to-day uh, hits on growth for yourself personally? I guess most recently I've been doing the growth courses on Reforge. Um, that you might have heard of, um, run by Bel- Brian Belfour, and awesome. yeah, they've definitely um, taught me a lot about growth and experimentation. They they have a lot of free content as well on their blogs, and just even like following some of the people that you know that that present at the Reforge courses, mm. like Andrew Chen. Um, you know, there's a few kind of obvious names out there. I try and read a lot of books as well. What is the That's one going. book that every listener must read before they die? I'm probably the worst person to ask this question, to be honest. I, I have a very wide breadth of reading. I think uh, my probably non, maybe spicy answer to that question is not specifically a product book, but Thinking Fast and Slow. Mm, Thinking Fast book, and Slow, that. fantastic book, mm. absolutely. Andrea Ho, Senior Growth Product Manager at Atlassian. Thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Thanks for having me. It was awesome getting to speak to you both. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you for listening to the Net Positive Podcast brought to you by Upflowy.